1: Hello, this is Scott Gordon, head coach for the Philadelphia Flyers. Hi, I'm Paul Holmgren.
0: Hey, this is the biggest suitcase to ever play the game, Mike McKenna.
1: This is Dale Weese. Hi, this is Bob Clark. You're listening to. And you're listening to. You're listening to. And
0: you're listening to.
1: You're listening to, and you're listening to... Snow the goalie. Snow the goalie. Snow the goalie.
0: Snow the goalie.
1: Snow the goalie. Oh, Snow the goalie.
2: Couturier, Welcome back into Snow, the goalie, the only Flyers podcast, the people's podcast, the players' podcast, the personnel podcast, the prognosticators' podcast, the Pedialyte podcast, and of course now, Anthony. We can officially call ourselves the Presidential Podcast. Hooray! <sighs> it's a beautiful thing. I'm uh, Russ Joy. You can find me on Twitter at joyonbra. Joined as always by the man, the myth, the legend, Anthony Sanfilippo, who you can find over on Twitter at antsanfilly. Anthony. Oh. The yeah, presidential the presen- podcast.
0: Yeah, it's the presidential podcast, Russ, and not because of your Donald Trump impersonation. Excuse Wh- me. Excuse <laughs> me. <laughs> no, which of course. Often- it's
2: because... <laughs> Go ahead. Because no, I was going to
0: say, which, which often creeps into this this podcast. I don't know why. We, we You have this notion that Donald Trump is a hockey fan, but... Um, <laughs> so that's okay. But uh, no, you can talk, everybody. Go ahead. Be, be really excited. Why is it the presidential podcast, Russ?
2: Listen... The reason that it's a presidential podcast is not because of my great Donald Trump or my uh, my Bernie Sanders. He's not president in the hearts and minds of some, I guess he is. That's my better one. But anyway, the reason that thousands of people have tuned into this episode of Snow the Goalie, of course, is because we had the president of the Philadelphia Flyers, Paul Holmgren, on. And we knew that Paul Holmgren was a tough guy. You've had uh, more than enough time spent around Paul Holmgren in your career covering the Flyers, working for the team and, in, and for various outlets. Um, I like to think that whenever we go into an interview... I'm a I'm pretty disarming. Uh, I like to try to be nice to people. You're kind of the muscle, I'm the brains, you know? It's just how it works. So I try to smile at people, I try to be nice, and usually it means that we're going to able to like break down somebody's barriers, right? I will say that Paul Holmgren is a very tough nut to crack.
0: Wait a second. Before I go on this. I'm the muscle, you're the brains?
2: Are, are you I suggesting don't know if that you we're going to pick up on that?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I first of all, I've never been considered the muscle of anything. <laughs> So I think I think that's kind of comical. But okay, I'll, look, I'll let you live in your own uh, fantasy world there. Um yes, Paul Holmgren is a uh, is not a an easy interview. Um that said, take hockey out of it just for a second. You know, I got to know Paul uh, on a whole different level when I worked for the team and I could tell you straight out that he's a good man and that he is very he helps people in ways that are never publicized. Um so you know knowing Paul the way I know him it's a little bit harder to really kind of you know try and go at him um, because he has such a strong veneer right I mean you know and and he I mean if anybody remembers the interview he did with Michael Barkan a couple of years ago um, <laughs> he gave him a death stare like you wouldn't believe and and the interview just kind of you know stopped at that point I mean it, it went on for a couple minutes but Homer didn't give bar cam much of anything. And, and that's what Paul's really good at. I mean, he's, he's been around for 43 years in this sport. Um, so he knows how to handle an interview. And it was interesting, you had mentioned to me when we were done, that he gave a lot of long answers in the interview. And that, that is something that you're trained to do as an athlete or as a you know, manager, general manager, limit the questions by giving longer answers. Um. So Paul's really good at that. So it's it's kind of difficult, but we did you know try and and uh, and and really dive into some really interesting things with Paul, and you know, we had him for almost forty minutes. Um. And I think that uh, I think we got some good stuff out of him. But uh, I will say this before we dive before we play the interview uh, for the fans. I I want everybody to um to stay tuned afterwards because there's something that I I want to address. Um. That I think could be coming down the pike here with the Flyers. Um, and uh, it will be kind of big news if, it, if, if, in fact, I'm correct. I'm going to make an educated prediction. Um, and uh, and we'll see. And we could talk about it for, for a couple minutes. So um, yeah, I think we should just jump right into the interview, let the fans listen uh, to what Paul had to say, and then let's talk about it afterwards.
2: All right, that sounds good. With no further ado, here is Flyers president Paul Holmgren. Well, Russ. We've
0: had a variety of guests over the course of the season here on Snow the Goalie. Um, and we're wrapping up the 2018-19 season with Flyers President Paul Holmgren. Paul, thank you for taking the time out to join us today. Uh, it's, it's great to have you uh, on the program. Been hoping to get somebody uh, of your ilk for the entire season. So to get the, make you be the last guest is a, is a really cool thing for us. Um, I, I guess we, we just want to you know, start off. This season's been a little bit of a whirlwind. Uh, for the Flyers organization. Um, it's it's not every season that you have a replacement at the general manager position, a replacement at the head coaching position, but you are someone who experienced this previously and this is not something, this is not a first time for you. I mean when you became the general manager of this team it was an in-season switch with the with GM and coach. Mm-hmm. Can you just kind of give like a, a personal assessment of what that's like and how difficult it is to just kind of Hit the ground running once a season's already begun to try and give us an idea of what Chuck has had to go through, and of course Scott, as, as the interim coach, has had to go through.
1: Yeah, well, obviously it's a uh, it's it's not a pleasant uh, thing to go through for for anyone. It's uh, difficult decisions had to be made, and uh, and uh, you know the hiring process of getting Chuck in here was. Uh, I, I didn't. I didn't know how long it was going to take. We did uh, a fairly quick search and fairly quick inter- interview process with uh, with four other gentlemen, and and um, uh, settled not, not settled on Chuck, but believe we got the guy we wanted to move move our team forward. And uh, uh, it happened a little bit quicker than I think we all maybe thought it would. But uh, um, as it turned out, I think it was good that we. We, we got it done that quickly because we have some things that we had some things that were in place we got I believe we had a good nucleus of of young players and and we do and we have a good you know a, a pretty good nucleus of, of core players that are still right in the right age bracket for us to move forward and, and be a highly competitive team and you know the the way the season went um, uh, once Scott uh, took over I thought it was a little bit slow the turnaround but then we kind of Caught up to things uh, Scott came in when at a time when there was very little opportunity to practice you're a new coach or quite frankly uh, not even a new coach if you're any coach if you don't have time to practice when your team is going through struggles uh it's going to be difficult to get back in The, the league is just too hard and uh, I, th- I think Scott did a good job of of straightening things out after a somewhat of a slow start once the change was made there and and um We got a little practice time in he was able to initiate some uh, subtle changes to how how he wanted us to play and and the style we were playing particularly in the neutral zone Um, and we started to get ourselves back into the thick of things and and uh, sort of get to the point where we were playing some you know significant meaningful games in march which is uh, i think important obviously you know to fall short is disappointing to to everyone uh, from top top of the organization on down right through all the players and the trainers like nobody likes us it stinks and uh, you know the opportunity now to move forward and and uh, be in a better position at this time next year is what's on everybody's mind and uh, we we realize we have work to do and um, uh, we'll got one game to go We'll, we'll finish up and then we'll get busy with our meetings and and cleaning things up and we've got as i said we've got lots of things to do to to uh, move toward next season through the, um, you know, the, the late spring here now and, and uh, the early part of the summer leading up to the draft and, and uh, of course, development camp right after the draft and then get ready for training camp.
2: In, 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 in your role, I have to imagine that you have to plan for every eventuality. So when you go through something like a GM change and a coaching change, just to pull back the, the curtain a little bit for the people who listen and watch the show, is it something where you're constantly updating in your own mind of if this guy were to come available or if we hit the skids for a while or if we had a, a sustained period of, of underperformance that you have a few names in mind just in the back of your head, not that you're actively looking to replace the people that are in positions such as general manager and coach, but do you have a, a list that, that you just kind of maintain uh, you know, in the eventuality that something might have to happen? No.
1: I I wouldn't call it a list. I think, you know, at any point in time, I I can go back to when I was GM and going through the the coaching change uh, per se. You you know, it's certainly the, you know, the the point of no return, I guess, when you decide you you need to make a change. You probably have some idea of what you're going to, who you're going to talk to, who you're going to look at. And you put you you start putting wheels in motion and getting that, uh, talk, talking to that guy or those particular people you want to talk to about the job. Um, I, I think going through what we went through this year is a little bit different because, uh, um, you know, making a change at the GM level is a little, it's a little more, uh, intricate, I guess, for lack of a better word. And, um, we, we had some high-level talks in, in the organization about what, where, where we are, where we, where we want to be, and how we're going to get there. And, and uh, believe that a change needed to be made. And then, uh, once once that decision was made internally, um, started looking at, at possible candidates that are either not working for teams or, or 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 what they're doing. And you know, the guys we did talk to. Uh, including Chuck, uh, three of those guys were working for other teams in the league, and one of one of those gentlemen was not, so um, kind of went through the process. And, and uh, as I said earlier, we settled on Chuck uh, fairly quickly and happy that it worked out that
0: way. I, I want to take you back. I, I know that the end results of these two seasons are going to be completely different, but when you took over as GM, it was that – Horrible 2007 season. Flyers had the worst record in the league. This team's not as bad off, but do you see similarities? Because you were able to turn that team around pretty quickly to get to the Eastern Conference Final the following year. Do you see similarities in how this team is currently constructed and and can get with a couple of pieces maybe get to that level? I
1: think there's a lot of similarities. I I, I look back to uh, 06, 07. We had a lot of good young players. I mean Carter and Richards and Umberger. Um, Alex Picard was on defense. I mean we, we, we had a lot of a lot of pieces that were in place, that were going to get better. So, um, you know, at the same time we had cap, we knew we had cap space. We knew there were some guys that were going to be available in the free agent market. So there are similarities. I, I, probably the biggest one is you know, we 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 believe we have a lot of good young players, and right now on our roster that have. I've played significant portions of, you know, Pearl Rock, for example, the last two years, plus, plus this year. And Sanheim now has got, you know, a little bit last year and and most of this year under his belt. Phil Myers here recently has played a number of games where at least he's got a taste of it. Um, you know, the ability to get under terrible circumstances in the goal, goaltender, like, I, I don't think any of us thought Carter Hart would be playing games this year but it just we, we ran literally ran out of goalies <laughs> we, we had had no other sure way to go and, and um, you know it, to his credit he came in and did a pretty nice job right so we, we believe we have a um, you know a guy that uh, I don't want to say goalie of the, I, I guess I'm saying goalie of the future I mean, who knows what's going to happen next year is, is, is his progress going to be slowed a little bit uh, I think he's uh, We've seen a taste of what he what he has, uh, anyway, and, and uh, obviously like like uh, like his future with the Flyers. So, um, you know, up front, uh, Lindblom's uh, been a nice had a nice year really. Um, can can continue to get better. Nolan can continue to get better. Travis Konecny can continue to get better, and then you know Claude and uh, Jake and, and are the you know the older. Elder statesmen on our team, if you will, and they're—I I still believe they're in their right in the prime of their careers. They're—they're—they're they're, they're not on the downward slide at all. So there's a lot of a lot of things that we're we're excited about internally, and and uh, I think you know we, we we can build on that.
0: Um, one of the things that, that Russ asked when we had Bob Clark on uh, the show, um, he asked him a little bit about. Uh, restricted free agency and why in the past or really up until this point it's not something that teams in the NHL have really pursued. You're one of the few guys who's Do you mean an offer sheet. Yeah, like, yeah, offer sheets. Yeah. So you're you're one of the few guys who's actually gotten someone to sign an offer sheet in the last 30 years How many was it? I mean it was it was I think 13 and 30 13 and years. 30 years or whatever it is. Are we at a point now? He, Bob said that he thought that we might be at a point now where you're going to start seeing it happen a little bit more frequently. Do you think that that's the case? And if so, or 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 if not, why hasn't it really come to happen in the NHL to this point? Well,
1: uh, I don't. you know, number one, it's in the rules. So could it happen? Sure, yeah. it's in the rules. Yeah. Uh, uh, I don't know that it will. I, I, haven't, I haven't really... Talked to Chuck about our organization looking at that um, for for this summer or any summer moving forward. We just it's just something we haven't talked about. So I don't know what what he's thinking about. Uh, I, I think um, you know it's 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 uh, for a team to do it. You have to have a lot of cap space. You, you probably don't have you probably can't have young guys on your roster that in the near future are gonna maybe be expensive guys um, so it's it's a it's a it's not as easy as it sounds I guess uh, and I, I think it you know we with you know you talk about the flyers and me in particular, we, we did it in—I I can't even recall what year it was—but it was Shea Weber, and we took a—we took a huge risk, and, and you know, it, it, I think it was worth it taking the risk. It, um, unfortunately, it didn't work out. Nashville uh, matched the offer, but you know, that's a, that's a big cap number. That uh, you know, who knows where we'd be right now if that. If if we had them, I mean, Nashville matched that offer, and they've since traded them to to Montreal. So, uh, I, I I don't know. Could could they happen in the league? Sure. Just sure. because they're within the rules.
2: But is there anything else that goes into the calculus of that? Because you know, you mentioned the fact that you have to have enough money. You have to know that your cap situation going forward, you're still going to have the space. You know, it's going to require a. You know, it's going to cost your team quite a few assets in terms of draft picks. Is there any part of that 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 in your mind, I mean, it doesn't have to be you specifically, mm-hmm. I guess, but do you have to take the human element of it in? Like, is is there any kind of pause that happens knowing that there's a very decent chance that you could burn a bridge with a team for the foreseeable future, especially if the player signs and that team is up against it and, can, quite frankly, can't match? Is that part of What goes into that?
1: Burn the bridge? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, thought, I felt, uh, you know, one david poyle i, I felt that i had you know, always had a decent relationship with david and i think it did uh, you know how could it not a little bit but i don't know that maybe that's just my my thinking I, i've never really specifically asked david about it i mean i've talked to him you know from time to time now when i see him at, at certain things whether it be league meetings or um, league events uh, you know when we play nashville i see him um, so it's a, not like you know, we we don't look at each other or say "I." It's a, it's a, but it's a, I don't know. It's how can it not affect in some way? Really, I mean, I, I think if somebody did did one of the flyers, I'd I'd be pissed. Yeah, <laughs> I don't my, is that be my nature. I don't know. I, I, I'd just be pissed, and you probably want to get them back at some point, some way. Um, that's, that's just me but um, I, I I think uh, you know the higher level guys I'm not sure there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of ways to do it you go after a lower level guy where a team just makes a decision well we, we can't pay you know for Joe blow we, we can't afford he, we don't think he's a three million dollar player like maybe there's more of that type of offer sheet in the in the near future as opposed to the you know the 12 million dollar guy or whatever because of all that it entails and when you when you go for the big fish maybe there's I don't know who it is but there's you know some of these there's teams that are probably going to be at risk right losing a guy and maybe it maybe it's not the big fish maybe it's a medium-sized fish that fits more on your roster and they they can't you can afford to pay him three million but the other team doesn't think it's worthwhile, if that makes any sense. And and, and does it
0: become, is is it a harder decision for that higher end guy because you also have to give up all the draft picks if if it happens? Because, I mean, that's a lot to give up. Whereas that middle, like you said, medium-sized fish, you still have to give up some picks, but it's not as big of a haul.
1: Not the four first-rounders. You know, I I think you have to look at, you know, what what you have in your system. Do you have a lot of young guys coming? Like we... We have a lot of young guys coming right? so could we are, are we does that mean we're in a good position to do an i don't know right it probably makes it a little easier to swallow if you do it but I, like i like i said earlier alluded to earlier i haven't talked to chuck about that so i don't know that we're getting, heading down that road but you know as a league if you it's a competitive league so anything can happen and it's in the rules
2: so when you do talk to him about it, you'll make sure to give us a call.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Let us know. Um, I, I know now that you go into the offseason and Chuck's going to be the guy who makes this decision. Um, but we, we talk a little bit about Scott he, and, and the job that he's done as a coach. I know that there's gonna be some bigger names out there and everybody's gonna be talking about them and, and, and I don't blame the Flyers if they start pursuing that path, right? I mean, obviously that's what you're trying to make the best team possible. But is, do you look at the, the job that Scott's done, and again, I know Chuck makes this decision, but do you look at the job that he's done and say, if we can find a way to keep him in, in the organization and keep him around, even if it's not as the head coach of the team, it might benefit us considering how well he, he performed at, behind the bench with this team? Um, and I know well, he's still well, in the mix yeah, technically right? yeah. I, mean, I, I don't he, want to make it sound he, like he's he,
1: out of the mix He, he is in the mix right. I think he's hes you know the way that the for the job he's done I think he deserves to be in, in that mix I, I don't think I'm speaking out of turn here or, right. um, you, you said it it will be Chuck's decision and Chuck's decision alone on what, on what he wants to do uh, but Scott Gordon has done, a, done an admirable, admirable job under difficult circumstances and you know, I think we fell short a little bit at, at the end, but to come to, as I said earlier, to get, for our, position our team where we're playing some meaningful games in March that uh, were good for our younger players to play in uh, with that, um, that much on the line was good. Moving forward, it's good for them. I mean, obviously next year we want to be doing the same thing and then obviously playing in playoff games too. So that's, sometimes it's a stepping stone. Um I, I think uh, we'll, we'll see how it plays out. I, 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 I can't imagine it taking a long time. Uh, you know, we have one more game to get through, and then there's a lot of stuff that's going to be happening in the first week, player wise, you know, meetings and exit meetings and physicals and stuff like that. And then I, and obviously, Chuck has, has uh, some work, work to do.
2: I know that usually guys say, we thought that our players could do, we thought that they'd be able to turn it around, especially like when, when a team's performing poorly, like nobody's gonna count, say our team sucks, right? Knowing where this team was, and then knowing that the kind of organizational changes that were gonna happen first with, with Ron and, and then with, with Dave Haxtell, in all honesty, like did you expect them to be able to turn it around as dramatically as they did? Where we went from hearing fans chanting lose for Hughes or tweeting lose for Hughes to get to the, the top of the draft and then within a month and a half, you're talking about could this be a historic comeback? Could this be a historic run to the postseason? I mean, honestly, did you ever expect it to get that far? Well, I,
1: yeah, I did. To be honest with you, I, I I like our team, and I think there's you know there's certain teams that are up here. You know, there's Tampa Bay and there's Washington and there's probably Nashville and Winnipeg in the West that are 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 the probably the upper echelon of the league and. And then there's, you know, a lot of other teams that are kind of right in the right in the mix. And I think that's where we are. I think we fall short where we we lack depth, Um, particularly up front. I think our defense is is a a work in progress because of their youth and their inexperience. Um, But I, I like our team now. I like our team even better next year. Uh, right now, and I think we have an op- we have opportunities where we can make ourselves better in the summer. I, I-, I believe whether they they happen or not, uh, you can never you never know until you actually get there. So, um, I-, I I like this team a lot,
0: and we're gonna get we're gonna be better. For on a personal level, this this team has been kind of I don't want to say stuck, but kind of in the same. Mold for the last six years or so. When you sit there and look at it now, as you know, originally as the general manager, now as the president, do you think that there is anything that you could have done differently, or anything that, in your role, in your job, in your responsibilities, that could have that could be done other than the changes that were made, obviously this year, that could have expedited this a little bit lo- a little bit quicker? Because this is this is a sustained period of. I don't want to. Yeah. Mediocrity is probably a bad word, but I mean that's oh, me that's probably no, we're, about we're, we're, where it's at, right? We're in the
1: business to win, and we, right. yeah, we haven't won. So I, mean, um, I don't I don't look at it that way, really, <clears throat> Anthony. It's just uh, you know you try to do you try to do what you can do to put your team in in the best position to win, and uh, you know we we haven't done that in the last seven years. I think the last time we had any kind of a significant playoff run was. Um, 2012, where we played in the, into the second round, and and we didn't have a very good showing. In doing that, I think we lost in five games. So obviously, that's not nothing to hang your hat on. We 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 want to win the Stanley Cup, and uh, it's pretty hard to do that when you're not even in the Stanley Cup playoffs. So we have a lot of work to do this summer, um, and I expect us to be um, active in a lot of ways to try to get better. Um, but saying that i i I still like our team i like a lot of things on our team i think we lack in certain areas but we we have strengths in a lot of areas as well
0: i know you're a competitive guy and i know this i told russ this story before we before you came in here there was a time a few summers back i'm playing in a softball game in south jersey and you rolled up with your with your beach chair sat right behind home plate with the scorebook because your daughter was playing on the other team and you chirped me the every time I came up to bat and it really unnerved me. So I know that I know that you have that competitive drive, right? Thank you for
2: that. That's a good thing. He needs to hear more. <laughs>
0: how, how much, how, how does the fire, does the fire still burn for you? It, you know, do you, do you see this as something that you want to see to fruition before you wander off into the, yeah, into the ab- sunset? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah.
1: I, I, uh, I want, I want Chuck to succeed. I want, Scott Gordon to succeed or wh- whoever the coach is moving forward. Yeah. I love the Flyers. It's in my blood. So I-, I want the Flyers to win as much or more than anyone.
0: Can it can it get done while you're here? I'm not, yeah. Yeah. You think so? I mean, I'm it, only
1: 40 years old.
0: Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you laughing? Well, because <laughs> that's probably my I mean, you're the young guy, he's right? He's being honest. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I just was I was just curious. Like, I didn't know if like I don't know what your plans were moving forward. Um, so that's why I thought I'd, I'd ask. If I'm you excited
1: fix- to be here talking to you guys. <laughs>
2: <laughs> let's uh, let's get it back to the flyer, shall we? Um, so, when you talk about the the future of the team, names that have been popping up a lot recently among the fan base are like Joel Farabee, Morgan Frost, and they both seem like guys who still need to add some weight. Like I, I'm not convinced that next <clears throat> year, if if they were to enter the NHL at their current stature, that they wouldn't get pushed around. Um, knowing that that kind of a another young nucleus of sorts is on its way mixing in what you have here with veteran leaders and of course with the guys who are in their second third year continuing to develop is this a thing where you you sit back and say maybe this should be another two or so years until we're a legitimate contender or is it something where you say between rfas and between unrestricted free agents we're one or two pieces away from really blowing the top off this thing does it like which, which way well, kind
1: of like? I, I'm certainly not looking like two or three years. Like We, we want to get better. We, we want to make significant strides next year. We believe we can do that in, in some respects with our current roster. By playing better, I think uh, whether it's Scott Gordon or uh, whoever the new coach is going to be, he's going to have a training camp under his belt with, with this group. Um, you know, the players that... Uh, the young players are going to have another summer to get stronger and get better. You know, y- you mentioned Ferby and Frost. Are, you know, they're over the summer. They're going to get stronger and get better. So, the guys Sandheim, Phil Myers, uh, Ghost, uh, Nolan Patrick, uh, Travis—they're they're, going to get better and stronger over the summer. So, it's all—it's part of the maturation process, process that goes through young players. And you know, we we, we don't sit around and talk about well two years from now, we, we, we're all competitive. That's why we're in this business. We all want to get better quicker. And can we win the Stanley Cup next year, why not? Why not? And that's that's the attitude we have, all of us right now. And we're gonna do everything we can to get better and uh, be more competitive and be a better team all around. And that's, that's the task that we've uh, put on, on each other around here. And that's what we're trying to do.
2: When you talk about being competitive, is is there anything about the success of the other teams in the city? I mean, the Eagles won a Super Bowl. The Sixers look like they're a legitimate title contender in the NBA. The Phillies, of course, won in 08, but they went out and signed the biggest free agent they could have this <coughs> summer. Is there a little bit of you that kind of wants to get in the mix with this, where it, it feels like that kind of splash move? It, yeah. it used to feel like that. I like. Yeah, in, I don't. I don't. Uh,
1: you know what? I've, I've been around here a long time. I've I've never felt like that. I think it's better. I mean, I've, I've been. I was I was a player in in the eight, early 80s when when all four teams were, you know, in the championship. So I think it's great, as an athlete, when all four teams. And why can't that happen all the time? Like I I, I root for all the other teams in our. I think it's great the Phillies signed Bryce Harper. Um I think it's great the Eagles are good. I, lo- I love the fact that the Sixers are good. Like we we wanna do we wanna be up there Yeah. yeah. But it's not because of how they're but they're not because of them. It's we we're trying to get there because we want to be kings of the NHL, not kings of the city. The city is the city. We're we're athletes in, in this city and we wanna do well for our fans.
0: Uh I wanted to go. We, w- we want to do a couple of uh, fun things. We asked, uh, pe- we've asked every other guest to think back over their time in in hockey. I know you've got a 43-year career, 38, I think, with the Flyers. If I'm correct, maybe 37. My math might be off. Um, one of the questions that we've asked everybody is, and it could be a minor, it could be a minor league building. What was one of the fi- your favorite buildings to to go to uh, to be in for a hockey game, whether it was as a player or as a <clears throat> coach or even probably as a general manager,
1: probably Chicago Stadium. Yeah, I mean, as a player, just walking up those steps, uh, the electricity in that building—you you, know—it felt like you're. It was just so tightly uh, surrounded. The rink. It seemed. I know the rink was not small like the Boston Garden or like some of the smaller rinks over the years, but uh, it seemed small, and uh, it was just an electric crowd. But walking up the steps was. Um, I mean, you could feel the steps
0: vibrate. Walking up, it was it was the coolest feeling. Any crazy fan stories from from? Uh, that you uh, one you?
1: of my first games in Madison Square Garden. I remember skating around and warm up, and there was a guy standing there with us. I I, I want to say he was like an eight or nine year old kid, and, and the little kid was saying like uh, like words I couldn't believe. <laughs> <laughs> And the and the dad, I, I I assumed it was his dad was just standing there smiling. <laughs> <laughs> I, I couldn't I could not believe that.
2: <laughs> that's great. Um, you're a busy guy, but are there any? I don't know how much you're into TV. Are there any shows that you that you ever catch yourself binging, or is there anything that you're keeping up with? Game of Thrones comes back this week, so that's yeah. of course like the the main. I, one I, that I I'm not
1: way. a. I've watched that. I'm not. I couldn't I couldn't tell you a lot of the character. I know there's dragons. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's so I'm not a I'm not up to all the other names. I, I don't get the kingdoms. I'm still trying to catch up on that.
0: <laughs> but do you have a show Is, that you that you watch? Uh, or a genre that you're into? I'm trying to think of
1: uh, you know I, I watch a lot of those things on. I binge like I Dexter. I binged on okay. that. Oh. I remember one summer. Um, Breaking Bad. Oh, yeah. Binged on that. You know, dur- during the. I think the one show I probably watch now, just because my wife watches the, This Is Us, I watch that. Oh, it's a good show. Yeah. Do you cry? Yeah. yeah, I do. I get hey, emotional. It affects that me too. Yeah, that's a. That's a. That's a um, that tugs in a lot of different directions. Yes, <laughs> it that does.
0: Show. That show. It's pretty cool. Yes, it does. Um, I actually wanted to get back to one other thing NHL related and not really specific to the Flyers, but specific to the NHL. When we, when we you know, I, I'm just, and I'm refer- going off of the story that was written last summer by Nick Boyne that appeared on Players' <coughs> Tribune where he basically said that, you know, you saved his life when he had that incident in Buffalo. Um, and he talked a lot in that story about, you know, where things are with head injuries and concussions. And I know Dan Carcillo has been a big advocate for that as well there's they have a big push to say that you know the league's done some but not enough do you think that the league can do more do you think that there's more that they can do or do you think that this is just a nature of the beast because of the way the game is played and the speed that it's played at and it's a violent sport you know I, I just want to as a guy who's been around it for so long
1: well I think a, I think two things I think the you know there it's going to happen from time to time in our sport because it, there is a, a level of speed that's uh, I mean, it seems to get faster every year, right? When you watch it. But I, I, I believe, I also believe that the league has done uh, pretty much everything it can do in terms of uh, diagnosis and uh, pr- well, for, first of all, pr- prevention um, and and diagnosis and um, care of what are the best assets in their players Right. so do we know everything no but I don't think science has caught up yet right. and on on the knowledge we I mean when I played and I joke around about this the test used to be like how many fingers and if you were close they said okay go ahead you can play <laughs> so if you were close. And, and I know that's I, I hate to joke about it security, joke about it yeah. but it's the way it that, was Kind of like that, yeah. Maybe not to that degree, but we, we've 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 come so far, and could we come farther? Yeah, and we probably will once science catches up and we get to know more and more. It's still a almost I don't want to say it's an unknown, but there's still parts of it are unknown on what um, cause and effect of of concussion, and we're like we're I think we 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 look after our players because they are our best assets and. Can we do better? Yeah, probably, but we're working at it, and we're, and we're looking into it. When we, um, as as science catches up, we'll we'll catch up too.
0: And I know you were always, and always have been, and to very little fanfare because you don't like to make it really public. But I know you've always been a guy who's advocated for players who maybe are dealing with issues. Um, and, and, you know, you look at – and I, I referenced that Boynton story because he was a guy who was, became addicted to painkillers. And that's kind of like, I think, one of those things that you, it's hard to really monitor because you, these guys will do anything to play, to try and play through pain. And then you, don't real, you maybe don't realize that what, the, the, what they're going through <clears> it, until, until it gets to a point like where, where it did with Nick is there is there something that you know and i know this team really focuses and and makes sure that that their guys are in good in a good spot but is there something that maybe could be done league-wide with that as well to just make sure that um you know hey let's let's control it or let's at least manage it and try and manage it better i I think think
1: in house anthony we i I can't speak for other teams we we manage it
0: really
1: yeah yeah, we do do. yeah and uh you know, in terms of pain management and stuff like that, we do everything we can without getting into that stuff. Sure. Um, because of the dangers, um, obviously there's gonna come, you know, there's gonna be times when when you have to go down that road. And that part is heavily monitored by Jim McCross and our training staff, as well as our doctors. So um, does that mean things are gonna slip through the, aren't aren't gonna slip through the cracks? No, things sometimes slip through the cracks and, and uh, but in-house, we, we manage those things um, as good or better than anyone.
0: And, and, when, and when they do slip through the cracks, it's always been your mantra to support at that point, correct? As opposed to just saying, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. let this go. Right? Absolutely, yeah. yes.
2: So I'd, I have one other hockey question for you. Um, when, when we talked to, uh, to Bob Clark, you brought up, like, the, the move within the hockey community, moving more towards analytics and its uses, and then using tech, and the fact that you don't need to have everybody in, in the war room together at all times because of just the way that you can communicate via all kinds of technology. When, when you look at where the game is trending, it's certainly more analytic heavy than it was when you played, and even when you were the GM. How much of, of building a team, I mean, I know that Chuck's the guy who makes the, dis- the decisions now, but like, when you're going to make that decision on, on a trade or, or signing someone, how much do analytics play a role in that? Versus the the eye test, because that kind, it feels like that's where the sports world in general, not just hockey, is at.
1: Uh, It's hard to put a percentage on that. I think, you know, we've certainly we're we've we're into we're into that fairly heavy now, uh, the analytic side, and uh, we have people on staff that chart. Everything—not only for our coaches, but for our scouts, for our young player, for for the draft. So we, we're at all levels. We're we're into that. Um, I, I I'm a firm believer that you know you use that stuff for support, and then you get a ba- you're backing up what you what your scouts tell you and what your your management team tells you about players through the eye test. But there's no question it's it's gotten stronger and and more heavily um uh, utilized by not not only the flyers I mean every team that's all everybody talks about so um, but the you know the actual going to games and watching players and getting to know players and um, the one thing they haven't figured out yet is how to test the guy's character and the guy's heart and the guy's uh, competitive spirit uh, to my, at least to my knowledge uh, and that's, that's the important part of actually getting out there and seeing players and, and sitting with them and getting in front of them and spending time with them.
0: Uh, just to follow up on that, do the analytics that we all talk about in the media, do they, are they the ones that matter for a hockey team? Or, or do you guys have, like, your own internal thing? That <coughs> yeah, <laughs> ignore are I, uh, I, I, I think program. some
1: of that stuff that you guys in the media, I'm sure that we, we probably use some of that, but we have our own internal stuff that we right. use as well.
0: That's what I thought. All right. Good. Paul, I really want to thank you once again for, uh, for coming pleasure. on the
2: show. Really appreciate it. Really good stuff. And
0: uh, have a great summer. Great.
2: Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks, guys. That, my friends, was the hardest nut to crack. Not a Brazilian nut. Not a macadamia. <laughs> not an almond. That's Paul Holmgren. And uh, you know what? It was. I thought it was a little bit ironic that he doesn't really watch Game of Thrones because uh, his demeanor was that of a White Walker. And I mean that in a nice way. <laughs> because, see, in, in, in TV show Game of Thrones... The white walkers are, are kind of well they're thought to be the main villain right they're supposed to be evil but in the books in a song of ice and fire they're mysterious their their beauty is discussed the the uh the the mere mention of them it, it's uh it's a little bit more on the fantasy side it's not not quite as as overbearing and, and dark and brooding so I don't want it to be that one I want, I want him to be the song of ice and fire he's he's a mysterious man he's Paul. a complicated man he's got many layers to himself so I, I Paul, uh, that's that's Paul Hunggren.
0: Paul I hope when you listen to this episode that you hear this I am so sorry for exposing you to Russ I am so sorry okay we can continue
2: I hope he laughed I think he laughed <laughs> he might have laughed I did think it was interesting that he liked Dexter Dexter's a good show yeah Dexter is also a very quiet guy um though Dexter is a serial killer Paul Hungren is a president of a hockey team so it's not the same thing but anyway yeah good show yeah, good stuff. Um, I, can we let's let's talk about the main? Wow, look at that! My phone actually buzzed for the first time while we recorded a show. It only took us over a year of doing this. Um, here's here's what I think I, I want to start. Um, let's get the the biggest takeaways out of the way. And I think you know you had alluded to something that that you think is is a legit thing. I think that's going to end up being the bulk of the conversation. We could start there, and then of course we have the thing that. That I've been beating the drum on. I don't know which right, one so going to we'll start. On. We'll,
0: start with, we'll start with mine. Um, y- you guys may have heard me delicately ask questions about his tenure as president. Um, I, you know, I wanted him to to address a what the last seven years have been like, obviously. I mean, I know the fans really want to know that, like what, how he feels about it. And he did. I mean, he answered that question. It wasn't the greatest of answers, but he answered the question. And and then I, I kind of asked him, um, you know, w- w- did he think that he would see this through, that he would see and this, this would resurgence back to them being team. a contending team? Uh, um, and if he did, and, and if he did. And then, then uh, that then I that would suggest uh, that, that he's going to be, be around for a while. I I don't necessarily that's think gonna that's going to be the case. case. And, that's what I, and that's what I want to talk about. I I kind of get the sense that um, Paul Holmgren will be president of the Flyers for one more game, and then he might not be here any longer. Um, whether he chooses to retire, resign. I think that there is something coming as far as the the business side of this team. When you see, it was announced last week that Sean Tilger, um, who is the uh, vice president of hockey of um, business operations uh, for the Flyers, I guess the, the chief operating officer COO, um, he he is uh, stepping down at the end of the season, um, and that was because. They brought in Val Camillo um, to be the, uh, I guess, the overseer of him. His boss uh, brought her from the Washington Nationals. Now she um, uh, is not a Flyers employee. She's a Comcast Spectacor employee. But they they put up created a position for her to kind of oversee what basically what Sean was doing, you know, with the Flyers. Um, so he's stepping down, and I, I kind of get the feeling. I get the sense that that this is the end for Paul. That he's just not going to. I don't know if it's going to be an, an announcement right away. If it's going to be something that you know he sticks around through the summer, kind of helps with the draft and stuff like that. You know, or sees through the hiring of a new coach. I, I just think that come the start of the 2019-20 season, Paul Holmgren is no longer president of the Flyers. That's a
2: that's a big um, a big thing to say. It is. That's it's a, a, bold, a prediction. bold prediction. I know. But there, there had been whispers, and and here it is. Like i
0: Yeah, and I, I look. I might be wrong on this one. I don't um, think you are. You know, there,
2: there was one thing that he said in that I, interview that that to me, if you go back and listen to the part specifically, the part where he talked about like the team going forward, the way that he talked about Chuck, the way that he talked about uh, Gordon, and then he he kind of like backtracked a little bit. It was the last time he mentioned it. And about the team, it felt like a guy who was getting ready to say goodbye. That did not sound like a man who believes that he is going to be in this role for the next five years. And so, I, you know, and, yeah. and I don't know if that means that it is this year. But I, I it, it just, it didn't feel, there were certain moments where he had like a very strong, there was strong conviction in what he was saying. And when it came up, like when, like I think he knew what you were trying to get out of him. And he said, well, you know. Uh, I'm I'm talking to you guys, you know, I, I I feel like we got about as close as we're gonna get without him coming out and saying that the end is the end is yeah. in sight.
0: Yeah, I think I think so too. Um, and I know that there's gonna be a lot of people in this town who, if it, if in fact it does happen, are gonna cheer and celebrate and you know say this is the greatest thing ever. But I I tell you that I'm I'm concerned. That the Flyers are are losing a little bit of their identity, their public identity with the fans. I don't mean by the way they play hockey. I don't mean about the personnel. I don't mean any of that on ice stuff. I just mean about the way they have relationships with the fans. You know, we we talked about um, the season ticket prices going through the roof, and some people are now would have to pay literally more than a hundred percent of the current price that they're paying just to keep their seats. I mean, a lot of people have ticket increases over 20%. I mean the flyers the the Comcast Spectacor people who are running this the people who are making this decision have n- they had, are not in touch with this city and the fan base? It's this is something that would never have happened before, and now all of a sudden is going to happen. So you lose. You're going to lose Sean Tilger, who who understood this fan base maybe better than anybody that I know uh, in in Philadelphia. As far as the Flyers, I you know obviously it's a different animal for each team, but as far as the Flyers, he he really knew this fan base. And Paul Holmgren was you know he has a legacy that is attached to you know trying to do things to win for this fan base. And I'm not certain that what we have in place now is going to, is going to improve the fan team fan relationship. I think it's only going to get worse. Even if the team gets better, I'm not certain that it's going to be a great team fan relationship. I I don't know. I I could be completely wrong here. I might be off my rocker. I, I don't know. Um, I just, I'm just getting that sense. I'm getting that feeling that this is the kind of th- stuff that's taking place down at the Wells Fargo Center, and, you know. And, and I don't think it's a good thing. I really don't. I think, I think it's losing a little bit of that. I hate to use this word because it's stupid, but I, I hate to. Use, it's losing a little bit of that family atmosphere. Well, I mean, down there, I, I and that's something that the Flyers built fifty years of of hockey on. I don't
2: think you're wrong. Um, I think it, it's for a lot of people, it's going to be a very welcome change. I'm not saying that, I mean, the casual fan doesn't know who Sean Childer is, right? But everybody knows who Paul Holmgren is. And when we put out there to the people, you know, what is it that you want to hear from Paul Holmgren? Like, what is the number one thing? What's the thing you want us to ask? I mean, a lot of people, and for better or worse, a lot of people said, you know, they cited his record as the GM. And there are people who were very upset that after Paul Holmgren um, did what, some considered a decent job and some considered a poor job, ended up getting a promotion. And, you know, it's not something that we're going to sit across the table from him and, like, throw that in his face because there's nothing productive about it. So, like, I know that there's a chance that, like, listening back to that, there are going to be people saying, like, well, why didn't you ask him the question? Well, I mean, imagine you're sitting across from someone and you're like, yo, um, there's a, a decent contingent of people who think you're bad at your job, and then you got a promotion. Like, there's nothing productive that's going to come out of that. I, I would say, in in like in Holmgren's case, I think he made the team better in a sense. He actively tried to make it better. He left the team in cap hell. There is no debating that. I think the one thing that his lasting legacy was, was the fact that the team ultimately came up short. They did make a Stanley Cup final, but like they came up short. And there was a really bad cap situ- situation and a terrible farm system. He's essentially the inverse of what Ron Hextall was in that position, and you know y- you hope at some point that Chuck Fletcher is going to be the the middle ground of those two guys. It doesn't mean that what Paul Holmgren did was was totally wrong. It doesn't mean that what Ron Hextall did was totally wrong. But like you're going to have your your polar opposites in the fan base, and some are going to side with either. I-, I get why people were frustrated uh I, I I just don't know i i'm not so sure that if Paul Holmgren ends up moving on depending on who were to replace him i don't know if you could say that it's it's a bad thing for the organization or it's a good thing we don't know we won't know until we see who it could be that could be replacing him
0: yeah i and and i so i my prediction is is that Dave Scott, who is the chairman of Comcast Spectacor and and kind of the guy making all these decisions is is chasing names and that's basically what i think is happening um you know obviously we know when it comes to the coach that he wants joel quenville to be the next coach um and joel quenville very well might be the next coach but joel quenville is going to have a a handful at least a handful of opportunities this summer um and and he's going to decide wherever he wants to go it's not like the flyers are going to sit there and blow people out of the water i mean you know the flyers are what they are and I have a feeling that Chuck Fletcher, while he's, he'll recognize that Joel Quenville is a a good coach who's won three Stanley Cups, Chuck might like a different kind of coach. You know what I'm saying? When you look at who Chuck's hired in in his tenure when, as a general manager when he was with Minnesota and he hired Mike Yo and Bruce Boutreau, um, I, neither come across as... Joel Quenville type of coaches. So, like, I, I'm not, not I'm not convinced that that's a definite. Like, I, I think that they might presume because Dave Scott wants him. And, and in turn, who could be the next president if Paul were to step down or step away? What about Dean Lombardi? You know, I mean, he's kind of an appearance. Oh, Dean Lombardi. Oh, my God. He's, you know, what is he? He's just kind of like an advisor right now. Yeah, but I think Dean turned down a job um, recently uh, for another team. And I think it's more so because I th- he could get something better whether that something better is here or somewhere else we'll see but it wouldn't surprise me Dean Lombardi two-time Stanley Cup winning executive okay so if you're Dave Scott and you're saying well geez they're the the fans are not happy they're not coming through the door well if I bring in a, a new president who's won two Stanley Cups and a new coach who's won three Stanley Cups they're all going to come flocking back and and I think that's a short-sighted view it could well be successful it could work it could absolutely be the best thing ever and you sit there and say see this was the right call but it has just as much of a chance of not working as it does of working there's no guarantee a lot a lot will be dependent upon how Chuck Fletcher who Paul Holmgren brought here as the general manager is, manages this team I think that is that is the the most important thing so you know you're right. It depends on who would who would replace Paul, if Paul does step aside, resign, re- retire, whatever the case might be. But when you look at the coaching situation, I think it's the same thing. I think you're, we're in the same boat. I, there's going to be a coaching change here. Scott Gordon is not going to be the head coach next year. I think he did a great job, and I think he deserves a shot somewhere to be a head coach. Um, I, I mean, he took the last-place team in the NHL and got them to within three points of a playoff spot when they were 16 points out in a matter of six weeks. It takes it takes some good coaching to do that. It really does. Um, and, and not just for, not just, he didn't make a lot of big changes. He made, you know, we, we they talked, and Paul talked about it, about, you know, little changes that he made through the, the way they played defense through the neutral zone. That was the big thing that, that kind of turned it around. But it was really more so the players buying in. And that's an important thing when you have a coach or a manager. The players have to buy in to what the coach is selling, and they this this group bought in to Scott Gordon for two months. Um, and, and that's that says something about him. That Again, I don't think he's going to be the guy. He's probably fourth on the list. If I had to put the pecking order, I think right now, I think it's Joel Quenville is your number one guy that they want, whether they get him or not. Plan B, if he becomes available, I think is Bruce Boudreaux. I don't think that's a great hire. If it is, if, let's just say, for example, I'm just going to play a play a scenario out to you, Russ. Let's say Minnesota fires Boudreaux, which could very well happen there. Okay, he's not their new GM's guy. You know, he was he was Chuck's guy. Um, let's say he gets fired there. Um, I think Chuck would be interested in bringing him, bringing him to the Flyers. He's not won anything in the postseason. He's got one playoff win in the postseason. Well he'll fit, and the guy in, coached he'll fit in great here. Washington, Anaheim, and Minnesota for several years. I mean, that's it's kind of hard to have that the talent that was on those three teams and not be able to win more than one playoff round. So I but he likes them and there are a lot of people in the NHL who like Bruce Boudreaux. I know for a fact that Bruce is a well liked coach. Uh, he's a players coach in a lot of ways. Um uh, so, I, I think, it, but I think he kind of more fits the mold of what Chuck's sign. looking for. If
2: That's more than half the fan base yeah, saying, great, we're going to bring in another guy who hasn't won in the playoffs, we're going to bring in somebody else who's yeah. going to continue this streak of mediocrity. I mean, they well,
0: well, that's I, the second, I, cho- that's that's their second well, choice, that's not their first no, choice. No, I, I
2: see what you're saying, but look, when when we say that Joel Quenville is the number one guy on this list, it doesn't necessarily mean that that it's something that exists, right? Like... The Flyers could say that that they want Connor McDavid, you know, if he hits the trade market, well, he would be our number one trade option. Well, of course he would be, but there's no guarantee that you're going to be able to go out and acquire him. In the case of Joel Quenville, like, don't you think that at some point, if the Flyers were able to go out and get him, they would have tried to woo him by now? I mean, maybe they've already tried to make inroads, and it just hasn't, you know, they haven't sealed the deal yet. But, like, think about it. Throughout the season, right, when the initial move went down, when the initial firing of Dave Haxtell went down, this team was rumored to have already been in agreement with Joel Quinville, right? Two people put that out there. It was wrong. Um, and and even a week ago, there was a report that uh, Joel Quinville had been offered a contract by the Flyers, and uh, he declined, which well, neither you nor I have heard anything that, that even remotely resembles that. So- no,
0: it's, a, it's 100% untrue. As a matter of fact, just to kind of clarify, um, when the Flyers fired Haxtell and, and brought in Scott Gordon... They only had they made the move basically because they had to Um, they weren't ready to fire Hackstall just yet. And and it may have been because they wanted time to try and talk to Joel Glenville um, to see if he would take the job. But the fact from the fact was, was that stories got out there. People started reporting that Hackstall was going to be fired and this was going to happen and Haxtell went to Chuck Fletcher, wanted a vote of confidence, couldn't get it, and Fletcher had no choice but to fire him at that point, having not even spoken to to Joel Quenville, and he had not even spoken to Joel Quenville at that point, um, regardless of what reports are out there, because Joel Quenville was away on vacation and, and did not was unable to be reached. Um, because of that, they had no choice but to promote Scott Gordon. It was the only option they had. I mean, it was either that or one of the assistant coaches on the team, um, and I'm not certain that they were sure what they were doing with the current assistant coaches. Uh, um, so I think that it made sense that they just brought up, um, you know, Scott Gordon. He's got NHL coaching experience. He can kind of get through the rest of the year, and we'll see what happens. So there was never an offer made to, to Joel Quinville. Now, there might be one. They may have been in communication since. There may have been plenty of communication for all we know since uh, December uh, through now. And, and who, for all we know, maybe Joel Quenville has already made up his mind that, yeah, he's going to come to Philadelphia. They're just going to wait till you know, sometime in, in May to make the announcement, right, once they get through exit interviews and, and prepare for their offseason and stuff, and then they make the change at that point. Who knows? Who knows? But I, I get the sense that Joel Quenville, while that's a Dave Scott kind of guy because he's won three Stanley Cups, I think that Chuck is a different – kind of general manager and I think Chuck wants different kinds of coaches and I would not be surprised if it's Bruce Boudreaux if Minnesota fires him which I think or lets him go which I think could happen Um, I I wouldn't be surprised if Boudreaux is next on that list and then after Boudreaux I still don't think Scott Gordon is next I think the third name on the list is Todd McClellan who's also out there who's had some success in this league um, uh, with a couple different teams uh, but I think that that's that's the pecking order. So I think that they're going to want Quenville first. If not, if Boudreaux is available, then he would be the next guy. And if he's not available or not, you know, doesn't want to come here, then I think it's McClellan. And then if all three say no, hey Scott Gordon, want to come back and coach the team next year? I think so. I think that's kind of you know where it's going to go. Um, and and yeah, you know, it just this is what I'm talking about. Like. I, it's different. It, just the flyers, just the way that they do things. Everything is just different right now, and different doesn't necessarily mean bad. It doesn't. But when it's when it's so unfamiliar and so unsure, I think it leaves people feeling a little bit more angst than they may have in the past. And and I think that as as a result, there's going to be a sharper spotlight. And there's going to be, you know, more under the microscope and a shorter leash on everything. And, you know, every, everybody's going to overreact quicker. I mean, there's a lot that's that's kind of – the Flyers were, you know, were allowed to breathe a little bit before. And now they're not. And that's why I thought you gave a good question, even though Paul kind of poo-pooed it. I thought your question about, hey, the Eagles won a Super Bowl. The Phillies signed the biggest free agent. The, the Sixers are a, a championship contender. Do you kind of feel like you're lagging behind? I thought that was a good question. And, um, I mean, his answer was fine. I mean, yeah, okay, we all want to win. You know, everybody wants to win. It's good for the city when everybody's doing good. But, I mean, obviously we're not trying to keep up with the Joneses. We're just trying to, you know, be the best team in the NHL. Um, But, yeah, I mean, there's a danger that if you lose – the one thing that was always great about the Flyers is if they weren't, even though they weren't winning, they always were in touch with their fans. And so the, that's why the fans, you know, you always heard the, the term Stepford fans, whatever, blah, 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 blah. But the fans were always there because of the relationship that the team had with their fan base. And when you lose that, which I think it's slowly deteriorating and could get worse before it gets better, if the team's not doing well, you, you get apathy. And we've discussed
2: this before. And that's what, had, that's what we had this entire, you know, first half of the season. It's the worst thing that could happen for any team. And ultimately, it's bad for ownership because they lose out on revenue through the gates. They lose out in parking. They lose out in concessions. They lose out in merchandising. And they and, and and honestly, I mean, just like anything else, imagine if this place, uh, you know, imagine the team gets off to a bad start next year. Like, let's say they don't go out and get their number one guy. And now all of a sudden, you're playing to a half-empty Wells Fargo center again. You don't think that the the fan bases from other teams especially like the pittsburgh's of the world and new york's the the washington's aren't going to start to rail against flyers fans for that you don't think that the the perception of the flyers across the league is is you know not going to drop if uh if the fan base is apathetic i mean of course it will i mean you don't you do not want to be in the same kind of conversation as like a florida right and and that's where this team was in the beginning of the season.
0: Yeah, you no, know, Russ. You don't want to end up like Florida. You absolutely don't. And and the, the th- this is what I was trying to say when I said that things are things are changing and not for the better. Yeah, sure. This team could be good. This team could, you know, Dave Scott could could go out and get you know Joel Quenville and come in here and this team next year, you know, come out like uh, you know like uh, uh, their house is on fire and just blow away the Eastern Conference in, you know in the season kind of like Tampa did this year and and everybody would be excited and that's great I mean that could well happen it could just as easily not happen and if it doesn't happen that's where your concern is that there's a disconnect okay I thought your, you know your question that you had asked Paul uh, you know about the other teams in this town I thought was a, a pretty good question even though he didn't really answer it the way I think you were looking for. But you're right. I mean, when the Eagles win the Super Bowl and the, and the and the Phillies go out and get the biggest name free agent in Bryce Harper and, and the Sixers are a, a cup contender, I mean a, a championship contender, you know, it's easy to fall behind if you're the Flyers. And so if you if if you really want to maintain that level of, of interest for your team in this town, you better hit a home run this summer. You better go out and hit it out of the park. Because if you don't this fan base is gonna become even more apathetic because you're losing the connection that made the Flyers and their fans symbiotic with one another. I mean, it's just not there anymore because it's becoming too corporate. You're giving up on people who really knew how to keep the fans you know, in, involved and keep the fans interested. I, I, I'm sorry bringing in, I don't want to, Val Camillo might be the nicest woman on the planet, and from what I understand from people who work down there, she's great. I, she doesn't know Philadelphia. The decisions that are being made are not decisions that will f- ultimately work here. They're just not, this is a, this is not a transient town. It's the tickets will get happen. bought,
2: but the fans will be unhappy.
0: The yeah, fans it, will feel so, like they've been betrayed. Will, some, no,
2: will, it, will some wicked, rich person, I, and when I say wicked, I don't mean like a terrible person, I'm just like somebody who's incredibly wealthy, Will somebody buy those tickets? Absolutely, those tickets that have spiked by what two hundred percent, hundred percent, whatever. So those tickets will get bought. Like those lower level seats aren't going to remain unpurchased, but will they be filled is a very different story. Correct, right. and, and that and that is the bigger thing because you want a home ice advantage. How are you going to have a home ice advantage when the only seats that people can afford are in the upper level? And how are you going to fill those seats if the team is awful? You know, yeah. and that that's where like this. This team, the way that they're stacking things right now for next season, it is so dependent on them getting a star. This isn't like, a. to me, this isn't a let's just go and get a third line center and, and call it quits for the offseason. That can't work. It won't work. Nope. This team will not be a contender if their ultimate goal here is let's go out and get a second pair defenseman and like a uh, maybe a third line wing. That doesn't work. It, it it simply will not get this team to a point where they're going to contend. Will, no, it it, will it make them a playoff contender? Sure, I guess it would. I mean, if you can get anybody, literally anybody, who can play the wing and put the puck in the back of the net, that's an improvement, right? But, like, outside of that, like, that, that doesn't make you an, an immediate contender. And so, you know, that that I think was, in a, in a way, one of the things that I thought was interesting that Holmgren said... Um, you know, especially about like the the RFAs. This is my my drum that I've been beating for how long now. Yeah. You know, while he said that he hasn't talked to Chuck Fletcher about you know what the plan this offseason is, which I don't believe at all. And Paul, if you're listening, I don't believe you, but it's okay. Um, I, I I get the idea that he said that you know he doesn't know if the team is going to be in on on big RFAs, right? And obviously those guys are like the Marners, the points of the world. But when he mentioned the the medium sized fish or the smaller fish. And he mentioned, you know, paying $3 million for a guy. It sounded almost exactly verbatim from what Bob Clark said to us about a month ago. And that is is very telling on a few levels. One, in that I think Bob Clark has more to do with what happens with this team than he let on. And I think Paul Holmgren has much more to do with this team and with player personnel decisions than he might let on. I think the fact that both of those guys have now signaled that there is a possibility, and he spoke at length about the possibility of there being somebody in that middle tier who ends up getting an offer sheet, hey, Kasperi Kapanen, you may as well get yourself ready. Get ready for the contract that's coming because it's coming your way. Yep. Right? I agree, like, I I, agree with you. I, yes. I mean, we may as well just get the guy's jersey made up. He doesn't even need to come and visit. Like, If he's listening, or if Sammy's <laughs> listening, go send this to your son. Your kid's about to get a nice contract offer from the Flyers. And that's fine. And like, I think Kasperi is a good player. So he is an upgrade to this roster. But if ultimately at the end of this... Your offseason is getting Kasperi Kapanen and, like, a guy who might be a second pair defenseman. That is not going to make you an immediate contender. The thing that you brought up last episode about the Flyers per- potentially pursuing Eric Carlson. Now, if you're able to go out and get Carlson and Kasperi Kapanen, all right, that's a very good off season. Does that make you a cup contender? I don't know, but it certainly is a better step. Yeah. It's kind of where I'm at. And I think yeah, anything I- short of that is a disappointment. Yeah. Uh, and so I-,
0: I think that that was the most... To me, that was the most telling thing that that Paul said in our interview. Um, I really believe that that's a thing now. Not that it's going to necessarily be Cass, Barry Kapanen. Now, of course, I heard that for a while now, but but that the Flyers are going to going to you know dip their toe into the RFA waters once again, and they're probably going to go after someone who's not a big name guy. And the reason that they're going to do it, and the reason Kapanen makes the most sense, is because you got a guy like Mitch Marner in Toronto who the Maple Leafs are going to have to give big money to, well, if you overpay for a guy further down their lineup and knowing that they have to pay big money to the big guy, they're probably not going to be able to make it work. And so that's why it makes sense. You don't have to give up as much in return um, as far as draft picks go, or you can work out a trade so that the draft picks don't go. Like, There's a lot of things that can happen. But... But I think that that's the kind of player that you're looking at, and I think it's. Go- I honestly think it's going to happen, Russ. That there, that's one of the ploys that the Flyers are going to imp- that they're going to try and use this off to make this team better, is going and, and offer sheet a mid level guy as opposed to a big level guy. I think that I think that we asked that question what four times in four different ways today, and a lot of times when you ask the same question and just in a different way is when you get the second or third answer is usually when you get your your best response, and I think that that's when Paul Holmgren told us that that's what the Flyers are going to do.
2: I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to be honest. That's that's, that's the biggest news I want to, I want to beat my my chest after this whole thing and saying, you know, an RFA. Ha! There we go. (laughs) I'm not usually one to just be like, hey, I just want to be right on this one, but I I really do. I want to be right on this one thing. Let this one thing happen. Paul, go into Chuck's office and let him know, I want an RFA. I don't care who it is. It doesn't even have to be a good RFA. <laughs> just get somebody. Go get me, like, get me, like, the, uh, I don't know, get me the the Swedish uh, version of Yori Laterra, Right? The <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't care. If he's an RFA, sign him. I'm happy. Yeah. Let's just go. go. I, like, honestly, that's now two senior guys with the Flyers who have said, it's in the rules. Yeah, it's in the rules. Then why doesn't anybody use the damn rules? You know? Yeah. This is the thing. And, and seriously. The way that this offseason is setting up it doesn't just have to be the flyers. With the wealth of talent that's available in the RFA market, if not a single offer sheet is put out to an RFA and/or signed, then get rid of the thing from the CBA. Just yeah. don't, there's no point in having it. So okay, I think there, that the- this is the perfect storm of yeah. talent that's young, that's dynamic. If nobody is going to put an offer sheet out to these guys, there's no sense in having it because it means that the owners are colluding. It's the only—it's the only possible explanation—is that the front offices in this league are colluding, and I don't—I don't want to be a part of it. Like, just get rid of yeah, it. I, no, I, it's not. It's—it's. It's, I think we're
0: prime for it now, Russ, because the game in the last you know five to ten years has kind of changed a little bit. It's gotten a lot younger. It's gotten smaller and faster. Right. We've all—we've talked about this. This is not a big surprise to anyone. Um, but because of that guys have come into the league at a younger age and have become good players at younger, at a younger age, whereas they, they probably couldn't have done that before because the league was an older league, um, back in the, in the older days. Now you can kind of get away with it a little bit more because the teams are younger than they've ever been. Um, so you can you can get away with the mistakes that you would make because you're making them against other guys who are making the same mistakes because they're the same age as you. So what ends up happening is you get star players at a younger age, and so therefore they hit their restricted free agency at a younger age. And so therefore you sit there and say, well, gee, if I have to go after a big name restricted free agent, I do have to give up four first-round picks. Look at the talent that I'm getting, and he, well, I'm going to lock him up for a decade it's going to be worth it, right? So that's the reason why, it's, and we're going to be now. and
2: we're going to be such a competitor that those four, four yeah. first round picks are going to be late, and yeah, it exactly. won't matter as much. Um, exactly. Anyway, I I did think that his reaction to Faraby and to Frost being brought up was also interesting. Um, I think it's very clear that he thinks highly of the farm system, and I, I do think that's a good thing. Again, that is a credit to Ron Hextall. Yeah. There there is just like that. It feels like there's going to be another wave of players. You know, those guys might not be on the roster next year, but you can definitely feel like they could compete for a spot the following year, right? Mm -hmm. Even a guy like Isaac Ratcliffe, who put up 50 plus goals, like there, there still exists this possibility that when all is said and done, this team is going to be a legitimate contender within three years, and is going to be able to continue to replenish itself. And that is the thing that makes it, you know, the most dynamic group I think we've had in a decade.
0: You're not wrong. Well, no, I mean you're not wrong, but I if you're going to if you're going to continue to play that waiting game, it's going to take longer than a year. And that's why I, when I asked Paul how does this team compare to when he took over in 07, and he said it's about it's very similar with the, with the addition of the fact that it has a, a young group of guys coming as well. So that so that's what makes it that's what makes this this situation a little bit better, but it's it's easy it's not as difficult as it seems to turn around from one season to the next in the NHL. And I think that that's kind of where um, you know this Flyers team is going to go, and whether Paul Holmgren is here to preside over it will remain to be seen. Um, I think he'll – but you know what else? I know I mentioned at the the onset of this post-interview portion of the program that I think that he's going to retire slash resign. You know what I could see? I could see him getting a similar role to Clark become you know he's going to retire or resign from the presidency but be given like a senior advisor kind of role so that he's still a member of the flyers he still flies in on occasion to talk about things and meet with chuck and da but that he doesn't have the day-to-day doesn't deal with the day-to-day as much as he used to and i think that that's that's a very real possibility as well so anyway that's out there now as well I think I I think I lost Russ for just a second. I'll just keep talking. Uh, Russ will be back. He sent me a note. <laughs> Gotta love recording uh, uh, and uh, a podcast. And you know, your partner sends you a note on your you know on the message thing uh, that we use. We use this podcasting network, and there's a little thing in there, and I I didn't see the note until just now when I went to throw it back to him. And uh, it, this is a great little daddy thing, and I got, I'm going to say it. He's not going to know that I said it. He says, it says, the note says, I'll be right back. Got to give Luca a hug before bed. Isn't that nice? So he went to go give his son uh, a hug before he goes off to bed. Um, so the Flyers will um, uh, wrap up the season against the Carolina Hurricanes. And, um, I, you know, you'd, you'd like to think that the Flyers will try to, you know, give one last good game for the home crowd um, before, uh, before things go. You know, shut down for the season, but Carolina's got an opportunity in that game to jump Pittsburgh for the third for third place in the Metropolitan Division. And there's a big difference about between playing the New York Islanders in the first round and playing the Washington Capitals in the first round. Um so i think carolina is going to come here to play uh, i don't think carolina is going to sit on on their laurels just because they clinched a playoff berth on thursday night um and uh and just kind of rest guys and just take the game for granted i think that carolina is going to c- come in here at t- to play to win um with that opportunity to jump up and, and you know get that uh, third place finish um Pittsburgh plays the Rangers um at home so it's not you know they need they need Pittsburgh to also lose um so it's not just Carolina wins and oh my god they're third place um the, there's a combination of the two things need to happen but I still think Carolina is going to um come in here with that with that attitude and uh the Flyers you know I think that they'll maybe give them a better game than, than they've been playing the last few games since been since they've been eliminated I mean they've looked terrible um you know they were bad in Dallas the other night they were terrible in St. Louis um so they just really have not looked good um they're really just kind of playing out the string at this point and trying to get to the get, get to their off season. um but I think that they they'll try and give you one more good game um before the season wraps up for the year um so yeah I mean that, that you know that's the one thing to kind of kind of I guess look forward to in the in the final game um and uh And then we'll uh, we'll head into that off season, um, uncertain for uh, what it'll bring in the future. Um, I do know that, or I do feel that, you know, I know there's a lot of people out there on Twitter who want to just go, you know, say let's part ways with the the core members of this team. Um, I don't see that happening. I think that Claude Giroux. Sean Couturier, Jake Voracek will all be back next year. Um, I think that they will all, they are all still uh, in the prime of their career. I think actually Couturier is probably just entering the prime of his career at 26 years old, but I think Drew and, and Voracek are still in that prime. Um, I don't think that they're um, on the downside just yet. And I know that a lot of people think that, that they have never, they haven't won anything with this group. And I get that. I understand that. Um, but i don't think that this group has really had the talent and the depth around it that that it needs to succeed and uh so because of that you know i, I think that you're going to you're going to see that this group stays together the, the core group at least stays together um as we move into um next season the interesting thing and you know we discussed this before that the flyers are going to go out and try and get three different position players uh, at least one veteran defenseman and a winger and a center or two wingers and move Drew back to center. One of those two options there. They're gonna be the three. Um so it'll be an interesting off season. And uh, Russ is back. Hey. So I think we can we can think we can now uh, wrap up the show since I vamped for about six and a half minutes. I was there. gonna say like I, I came back <laughs>
2: down. So this is uh this is one of those times where we had to uh we had to record around a bunch of schedules and I just had to put my three year old in bed. And they, my they my know. wife my wife once again they, doing yeoman's work or yo woman's work. Yeah, um, woman. Doing, <laughs> yo woman. Yo <Doing>, woman. Uh, <laughs> doing both bedtimes. So uh, anyway, had to go up. And of course, I couldn't just give him a hug and kiss and say goodnight. It, it, it ended up becoming uh, telling me all about his day. So I'll, when he wakes up in the morning, I'll have to let him listen to our, uh, our interview with uh, Paul Holmgren. And, and he can uh, give me his notes and his thoughts. Uh,
0: make him listen on two times speed. But uh, speaking
2: um, of people leaving their thoughts... Let's go over yes. to the iTunes reviews, my friend, because uh, believe it or not, since the last episode of Snow the Goalie, the Only Flyers Podcast, the People's Podcast, Players Podcast, Prognosticators Podcast, Personnel Podcast, Pampers Podcast, Pedialyte Podcast, per, uh, Presidential Podcast, we've received two new iTunes reviews, and uh, I'm trying to navigate to them. This computer I'm working on typically is uh, is nice, and uh, today all of a sudden it just decided to uh, become the Antichrist of uh, of Apple computers. <laughs> anyway, here we go. <clears throat> Two new five-star reviews. Are you ready, my friend? I'm ready. By the way, we're up to 76. Um, Uh, This one is from Optimist2727, who says, Fanatic podcast. I'm thinking that's supposed to say fantastic podcast. Talking hockey. Five stars. Uh, Love when I get the alert that I have a new Snow the Goalie podcast. This makes my commute on Route 42 much more tolerable. I don't mind the traffic as I sit back and enjoy the conversation. These guys chat like you're sitting in the backyard talking around a fire with a beer in hand on a Saturday night. Keep going, boys. Well, thanks, thanks Optimus. Optimus. 27, 27. Thanks,
0: 2727 nice. Thanks, man. And his, his typo might be a little prescient. Move on.
2: <laughs> All right. Uh, Balmuth. Balmuth? Balmuth? Uh, okay. Snow the goalie. Five stars. <clears throat> the pod is great. The information is good, and the hosts are fun. It is a different take... Than some of the other Flyers podcasts. That's weird, we're the only one. And I like that it adds to the or I like that it adds to the discussion and in, in a different approach. I know I get some crud for always pl- or I know they get oh they I know they yes. get some crud for always plugging themselves or their other content, but they're allowed to. It is a free podcast. Darn right, Balmouth. Keep up the great work. I enjoyed the show. This is Snow the Goalies only review. The people's review, the players review, the staff review, frankly the only review that takes things and turns them on their head. Thank you for reading. Balmuth. Did you did you,
0: did you you write a review for us? Is I that didn't. you?
2: I should, though. But no, I did not. <laughs> I like that.
0: It's a great review. I really appreciate the it. The saw that the
2: people's review, the player's review, the staff review. That's amazing. <laughs> when I saw it.
0: that, I thought that was pretty funny. That was pretty funny. So thanks, Balmuth.
2: Anyway, uh, we love the five-star reviews. We're up to 76. When we hit 100, we're going to do something. I don't know what that something is going to be. We'll have a giveaway. I don't know what the giveaway is. I'm just going to use Kyle's credit card. All right. So uh, don't forget to go over to, uh, to iTunes, to Apple Podcasts, whatever you have on your iPhone. If you don't have an iPhone, go find a computer that has iTunes. If you can't find a computer, uh, it's 2019. Go back in the time machine and find your way to uh, 2019 or some other year. Uh, leave a five-star review for Snow the Goalie, the only Flyers podcast, the People's podcast, the Players podcast, Personnel podcast, Presidential podcast, PDL Life podcast, Pampers podcast, Prognosticators podcast. Did I leave any other P's out? I don't think so. Uh, for Anthony, who you can find on Twitter... <laughs> At Anson Philly, I'm Russ at Joy on Broad. Don't forget, go check out the other shows on the Crossing Broad Podcast Network. A bunch of episodes dropped this week. Of course, the flagship of this great network, Crossing Broadcast with myself and Kevin Kincaid, who you can find on Twitter at Kevin underscore Kincaid. Uh, we broke down uh, pretty much every sport in town because, uh, well, I don't know if you knew this or not, Anthony, but Crossing Broadcast is the only Philadelphia 7 for 7 podcast. Soon to be 8 for 8, perhaps 9 for 9 or 10 for 10. That's what we're here for. Um, crossed Up a Phillies podcast, a very good podcast. I believe, to my knowledge, it might be the only Phillies podcast. I'm not positive. I'm still doing research. <laughs> yes. um, but it is the only podcast that you need to listen to for your team, your town, your Philadelphia Phillies. Of course, that's uh, Anthony and Bob Wankel, who you can find on Twitter, at BW BWCrossingBroad. Um, and, and somebody, it, by it, the way, it, it, go ahead. No, I was just going to
0: add... To that, that um, it looks like uh, Bob and I.
2: Oh, don't say the, it! Uh... Don't say it! Don't make that announcement! Don't, don't make that announcement! Oh, seriously! Do I got to wait. Don't, nope, don't do it yet. <sighs> I almost okay. did it yesterday, and I got in trouble. So don't do it. Uh, anyway, in uh, Go check them out. You? By the way, um, I need people to start harassing Bob on Twitter, because uh, Bob's Bob's uh, writer page on the website has his actual name written, yet on Twitter and on his uh, his name that he posts under on CrossingBroad.com. It still says, like, B-Wanks or B-W Crossing Broad. Use your real name, you coward. Uh, anyway, also go check out It's Always Soccer in Philadelphia with uh, Kevin Kincaid. I think he's dropping a new episode this weekend. And believe it or not, Anthony, your favorite show, mm. the one that you care the most about, International Football, right? We had a uh, Crossing Broad FC with myself and Phil Kaidel, who you can find on Twitter, at Phil Keidel. That's K-E-I-D-E-L. It's not hard to spell. It's Phil Keidel. We uh, broke down the Champions League round of 16. We previewed the... Uh, the final eight, and we talked about some games that are coming up. Anthony, don't forget tomorrow. This is a big This is big news. Are you ready for this? I know that we're going to be at the Flyers game. I know we are, okay? But there's a bigger match happening earlier in that day. Do you want to know what it is? Can't wait. Yeah, Klassiker. That's right. Bayern Munich and Borussia Dortmund are going to go head-to-head at 12.30. It's uh, It's the biggest match in German soccer. And uh, right now, a lot of money on Bayern to, uh, to take... The top of the table of the Bundesliga. <sighs> I know you're excited. I'm excited. Anyway, those are all the shows on the Crossing Broad Podcast Network. Make sure you check them out. There could be announcements coming about things. I don't know what those things are. Anthony tried to make an announcement about something. I, I shut them down. Perhaps there are other announcements. Maybe I'll shut those down too. Or maybe we'll announce them. Who knows? By the time you hear from us next episode, there might be some cool news going around with Crossing Broad. But you'll have to stay tuned. Go check out the site. Check out the things that are written. And of course... Because this episode is going out well ahead of game time, make sure you join us for the Press Row Show, uh, available on Twitter slash Periscope via the Crossing Broad page at Crossing Broad and Anthony's feed at Philly, as well as on the Crossing Broad Facebook page. So it's going to go up to all those places. Make sure you follow us before the game, during the first intermission and second intermission. It will be our last broadcast for this season. Can you believe it, my friend? It's been a whole season that we've spent together. Isn't that amazing?
0: that's great. I don't, I don't know how I made it, but it's great.
2: <laughs> well, you know, you're the muscle, you're, you're the brawn, and I'm the brains, and here we are. Anyway, uh, another wonderful episode. A big thank you again to uh, Paul Holmgren for hopping on the show with us today. Hope the people enjoyed it. And don't forget, take us to task. Let us know if you liked the interview. Let us know if you hated it. Let us know what your thoughts were. Follow us on Twitter, at Julian Broad, at and Sanfili. Go into the description of this episode, and our, uh, our handles are hyperlinked there. All you have to do is click on it. It'll reroute you to Twitter. Follow us there. Life is good. For Anthony, I'm Russ. We'll talk to you again next week as we, I believe, are planning on doing some kind of a full-on hypothetical off-season preview for your team, your town, your Philadelphia Flyers, the orange and black. (sighs) Don't worry. Next year, they'll be back.